Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. This is Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Poulos. We can't give them this much power in the cartoon world. A podcast, and I was told that if I did your podcast that I would, you know, advance to the next level. And we're podcasting and photographizing in front of the great The worst gigs of their life are, are because of Mark Poulos. <laughs> Anyone want a husband? Free free to a home. Now it doesn't even have to be a good home, just free to a home. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre the Giant would like to do his impression of Willie Nelson. Suck yourself dry! Alright. Hello folks and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm Mark Poulos and it is good to be back. I, uh, I got inspired to do a podcast today because I was, uh, talking to a good friend on the phone, uh, another comedian, about the role of an MC in a comedy show. Because I don't know what it is, but lately, all the MCs that I've had at the comedy clubs that I've gone to, they've kind of lost, I feel like, a little bit of the sense of what an MC is supposed to be like. When I was starting out, and I feel like a lot of comics starting out, you know, earlier in the comedy business, they kind of had a mentor or somebody to, you know, bring them under their wing and kind of teach them about uh, the specifics of the MC. Because it's interesting in America, because in America, our system of comedy has been different from the system of comedy in Canada. And I kind of feel like the system that they have in place in Canada is almost a little better. Because in America, if you've ever been to a comedy club, um, not a show in a bar or a show, you know, at a coffee shop or something, a, a legitimate comedy club, it's always a three-tier system. There's an MC, there's a middle act, they call it the feature, and then they have the headliner. In America, the MC is always the person that has the least experience. Um, so they go up first, which is, you know, it. I get it. You know, it's just always the way it's been in America that the MC is the person that has the least experience because they're doing the least amount of time and... Um, and that's just kind of how you work your way up the ranks. You know, you do, you're the MC, you work hard enough, then you become the feature act. And then if you work harder than that, you become the headliner. So in Canada, it's different. In Canada, much like um, the Dean Martin roasts and stuff, like the host of the show is the most famous person on the show. And it's always like, kind of a variety hour like you know welcome to my show here's a few friends of mine that i'm going to introduce you to and we're all going to do comedy together 
So the MC in Canada does like, you know, they'll do like 15 minutes up front. They'll do like uh, a few minutes after each comic. And then they do like 20 minutes in the middle. And then they bring the headliner up. In America, the MCs go up. They do 15 minutes, bring the feature act up, uh, do like all the announcements after the feature act, and then bring the headliner up. And for the longest time, like, that has worked. Like, that's been a good hierarchy. But something is happening in the comedy business right now. And if you've ever, uh, if you've ever been to a comedy club lately, um, it's weird. Because I don't know if there's much of a sense of camaraderie anymore in the comedy show or even the feeling of paying your dues in the comedy business um it's just so different now um and i'm sure there was a sense of this back in the 80s and 90s where comics believed that like a year in they should be headlining every club everywhere like the whole idea of paying your dues and like being an MC for a while, being a feature for a while, and then being a headliner. It's almost like some comics nowadays, they kind of feel like LeBron James and they just want to skip college and go straight for the pros. And the problem with it in comedy is you have to put in your dues. Like as much as people want to say that there's comics out there that have been doing comedy for like two years and they're headlining the biggest clubs in the country, like, it's just not, it doesn't happen. And even if it is happening because somehow they got stardom early, um, it just won't sustain itself because at some point they're going to come up against a feature act that's just, like, throwing fireballs and they're not going to be able to follow them because that feature has been busting his ass on the road for like 10 years trying to get that spot that the headliner got because of some famous thing that they did that puts butts in the seats. But specifically what I wanted to talk about on this podcast today, um, and it, it might be a tad inside comedy, so if you're not, you know interested in the comedy business or kind of how it works or any of my advice as far as being a comedian goes I can understand if you're going to tune this one out but uh, I kind of feel like I have a little something for everybody on this episode because later on in the end um, I was taping some shows when I was out on the road with uh, Joe Cocazello and just happened to catch um, a set from an MC that we had on the road that um pretty much did everything wrong so it's hard to listen to if you're in comedy because it's like nails on the chalkboard with everything that she does wrong and I don't want to play it to like make fun of her but I just want to play it so you can kind of understand what I'm talking about on this podcast of like the do's and don'ts of being an MC. um because it's just so weird nowadays because when I was brought up I was mentored by an amazing comedian named Wild Bill Bauer and he uh has since passed away and I'm kind of sad that he's gone obviously he's a very funny comedian and I think more and above the fact that he was a really good comedian and a really good writer was the fact that 
he had this sense of himself that he wanted to help and cultivate the newer comics that are coming up in the world. And there's so many Minneapolis comedians um, that kind of have my same story, you know. Just off the top of my head, I know there's Nicholas Anthony, Mike Brody, John Russell. Um, I mean, really, if you were a Minneapolis comedian, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find a Minneapolis comedian that didn't uh, get a little mentored by Wild Bill Bauer in the beginning. And, you know, I don't want to single him out as the only kind of, you know, mentor to me i i've talked about it before i took my comedy class from scott novotny and he he taught me quite a bit about being a stand-up comic and an mc and stuff and the things that they instilled in me as far as what an mc should be doing on stage is just a very simple list of things uh one big thing is that you want to establish initially when you get on stage you want to establish yourself and what that means is you want to introduce yourself to the people in the room you don't want to walk on stage grab the microphone and just start telling a joke and pretty much every comic should be doing this you know you want to take the microphone and you want to just introduce yourself, you know? And it doesn't have to be long, you know? You'd be like, hey, it's good to be here. My name is, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to say your name if you don't want to. I don't think I ever say my name when I go on stage because they just said it. But, you know, I thank them for having me and tell them that I'm glad to be there, you know, maybe make some quick comment about the city that I'm in or whatever, and then... Uh, once you do that, once you've established yourself, then uh, you want to establish the crowd. Like you want to make sure that they know that you know that they're there, which sounds like a stupid idea, but it really does focus everybody up. And what Will, Wild Bill Bauer would teach us is the, the rule of three when you were emceeing. You wanted to get... Um, three rounds of applause before you even told a joke. And he said, it, does, it sounds stupid and a lot of comics skip over it. But what it does is when somebody has to clap when they're part of a crowd, they have to stop doing what they're doing and focus and use their hands. So if they're like messing with their phone or their wallet or their food or whatever, to clap, they have to kind of put that all away and clap. And now they're all doing something in unison and it's focusing them to the stage. So he said, you always want to get a round of applause for the, the headliner, the feature act. And then, uh, you say for, for yourselves for enjoying live comedy. So once you're done with that, then you can do your jokes. And you'd be amazed at how much smoother a comedy show goes when you just do those small, simple things at the top of the show. And of course, if, if the club hasn't reminded the audience, um, you know, you want to remind them 
to not use their phones and not talk and and all that BS or whatever the comedy club wants you to say. But it's important to establish yourself in the audience before you start. And it's amazing how many MCs I see that go up there and they don't do any of that. They literally will just grab the microphone and it's like joke time. And it's weird to watch because when a when an MC does that, they're separating themselves from the whole show where somebody that establishes themselves in the audience, they become a part of the show. You know, an MC, you've got a unique perspective on the show because you're going to be the person that they see the most times. Like, you won't be the person that they see for the longest duration of time, but you're going to be the person that they see the most. Like, you come up at the beginning, in the middle, at the end. They're going to see you a lot. You're going to be kind of the host of the show. You're going to be the one taking them through this entertainment. So, I don't know, man. It just blows my mind because another thing that, that Wild Bill Bauer taught us when we were emceeing is to not be so filthy, because here's the thing, when you're the MC and you go up there first, you're setting the tone for the show. And if you take it to 11, the first minutes of the show, you're setting a very bad tone for the show. If you go up there and you're vulgar, you're crass, you're uh, combative, if you're arguing with the crowd, you're crowd rapping, you're slamming people, you're swearing, you're talking about dicks and pussies and ass sex and rape and all of these horrible topics off the top of the show, the rest of the show is going to suffer because of it. So I think that's a problem a lot with the MCs nowadays is they don't think about that. They're very, I mean, comedy in, in general is a very self-centered business. You have to think about yourself first, obviously, because you're trying to further your career but it always felt like early on there was at least a little sense of camaraderie on the road that all three comics on the show wanted it to be a good show. And I feel like because of shows like America's Got Talent and Last Comic Standing and just reality shows in general, um, it's always a competition. It's never camaraderie. It's never anything like that. And they're always fighting against each other, you know, instead of working together to make an amazing night for people, you know. So think about that. If you are an MC or you're thinking about becoming a comedian, like when you're the MC of the show, um, you're setting the tone. So try to think about that. You're setting the tone verbally and you're setting the tone visually. I can't tell you how many times I've seen an MC go on stage in shorts, ball caps, t-shirts. It's just like, have some fucking respect for the show, you know? You're going to show up in shorts and a ball cap and flip-flops and try to do some comedy. It's like, come on, get it together, you know? Because <sighs> I've had a few experiences in the last couple of weeks and I... I can't remember if I talked about it or not, but the MC that I had in Little Rock, I had quite a bit of a problem with him. 
and the feature act i i talked to him about it and he was like you know you should you know talk to him about it and i just have a problem telling anybody what they can and can't do on my shows because i don't like people telling me that so i don't feel like it's my place to tell anybody how to do their show you know and this mc he'd been in the business for years so even if i tried to approach him on some of these subjects um it just it would fall on deaf ears but every show he would start out with a really offensive mentally challenged joke and it just rubbed me the wrong way man i just don't understand how in your brain you feel like it's okay to start a comedy show with a really vulgar edgy mentally challenged joke it just blew me away you know and uh thankfully the mc that i had in wichita his name was antonio he was part of a podcast a couple weeks ago great mc like he came up in a city where they really cultivate their comedians and help them understand the the process of becoming an mc he uh, started out in in madison and just very select cities around the country that really focus on cultivating an mc and not all of them do it great you know some people slip through the cracks but i don't know man it's just like people look down on the mc spot so much i mean they had like a huge problem with it at the house of comedy at the mall of america in minneapolis where the mcs were just so bad at being mcs and they complained so much about being MCs and not being feature acts that the owner of the club, who's Canadian, said, fuck it. Now we're going to do Canadian-style comedy. So now the MCs at the House of Comedy are, uh, are national touring headliners. Not as famous as the actual headliner on the show. So what it'll be is like, I'd be like MCing the headliner would be like, you know, Lachlan Patterson or or uh, Ben Glebe or something like that. And then the middle act would be the person that usually would have been the MC. But now they're getting less time and they're doing the middle spot and they're still not happy. But it's like they got to understand, they got to figure it out, you know. Because uh, Carol Pennington's a big booker. And she put something online the other day that made me laugh that said, uh, if you're a feature act that doesn't talk about rape, incest, anal sex, like all these horrible topics, she's like, give me a call. I've got some stages that you can work on. And uh, it's just so funny to me. It's like some comics fight so hard against clean comedy. And they fight against it so hard to the point of, I don't know how many times I've heard comics on stage say, well, now I'm going to punish you for not laughing. It's like, is that really what we've gotten to? And then after they say that, they start doing like horrible, horrible material about, you know, killing people and and religious injustice and just like the stuff that's obviously going to polarize everyone in the audience. 
And it drives me crazy. It's like these people come out to have a good time, you know, and everybody's always quoting like Dennis Leary and Bill Hicks and, uh, you know, uh, Lenny Bruce and these guys that push the envelope of, of decency on stage and whatever. And it's like, yeah, I think we're past that now. It's like, whatever you do on stage, it needs to be true to yourself. Like, I tried the vulgar route for a long time, and I, and I always felt weird about it because it wasn't me. Like, off stage, I'm not that guy. Like, in my normal life, I'm a guy that hardly even swears, and I'm never really talking about graphic things with obviously my family or my wife or even my buddies, you know, we talk about silly shit. So that's what I do on stage is I talk about silly shit, you know? And, uh, I just, I don't get it, man. I mean, they're just fighting so hard against this clean comedy that they're taking it almost too far with how graphic the jokes are and how filthy they are. And like, I heard one comic say, a groan is as good as a laugh. No, it's not. You know, and and people might come at me for talking about clean comedy, but it's where the money is, you know. Comedy, yes, is about protecting your art. But if you can be true to yourself and still be a clean comic, you can make a crap ton of money in this business for hardly any work. You know, so you just gotta, you know, find your groove, you know, find your spot. But I just, the MCs, man, you have, you have to understand the flow of the show. You have to understand how to be clean. You have to understand your, you're presenting this show. You're the person, you know. Even though you're the one that's been in the business the least, you're supposed to be the master of ceremonies. You're the person that is hosting this event, you know? You're not just the comic doing 15 off the top. You're the master of ceremonies. You're the person that's going to be the audience's tour guide through this comedy show. So don't be a dick about it, you know? understand your role and do it as good as you can do it and then people will take notice and you'll get that chance to move up you know (sighs) but sometimes man i don't know how many mcs i've run into in the last couple weeks that are just like crowd rapping for the sake of crowd rapping and going way over their time that's another thing. Like, I don't get too bent out of shape about much at the comedy show anymore. Like, you can crowd rap. You can go up before me and talk about licking people's asses and trying to blow yourself. Whatever. Like, I'm a professional. Within 10 minutes, they're going to forget about you and be focused on what I'm saying, and I can pretty much do whatever I want, you know. But it's the comics that have such disrespect for the comedy show that they go way over their time. The comedy show is structured for a reason, you know, and they don't get that. 
the, these guys that go way over their time. They don't understand that the comedy show and the service, as far as the drinks and food go, is coordinated. So there's a specific time in the show where they're going to be dropping the checks, getting their payment, and then kind of wrapping things up. So if the MC or the feature goes way over their time, now the whole timeline is out of whack. It fucks with the next show. It really messes with the headliner set because he is now going to do his set later in the night than he should have. And now it's like they haven't had a drink in like 30 minutes. They're getting antsy. They just want to leave now and go to some other bar. And that comic has messed it up. And the cavalier attitude of some of these guys, like uh, they deserve to have that extra time because they're so much better than the 25 minutes that they've been given. It's like, just have respect, man. Have respect for the show. But if you are thinking, or you are, or you are thinking about an MC, just remember the keys to being an MC that Wild Bill Bauer taught me is dress better than the people in the audience you know so you want you don't want to look like someone who's sitting in the audience you know and i'm not saying wear a suit but no flip-flops no shorts no backwards hats you know if you've got a really nice clean crisp t-shirt with something funny on it that you want to wear on stage that's fine you know have some jeans that don't look like you just pulled them out of the hamper don't uh you know wear tennis shoes on stage unless they're you know chuck taylor's maybe you know the the comedy uniform and uh and try to be the master of ceremonies and not just the guy going up first you know you'd be surprised at and how much the other comics will respect you for that and maybe even like extend an olive branch to help you move up in the comedy business or take you on the road as a feature to like one-nighters and stuff. You know, if you can show that that you can dress for the part and be professional. Because it's like I, I have tons of opportunities now where they tell me to bring my own guy with. And there's there's a core group of guys that I bring on the road with me because of three very important things. One, they stick to their time. Two, they're very professional. And three, they know their role. You know, it's, it's a collaboration when we go out on the road. It's never a competition. You know, they understand that they're where they are because they still need to work and, and move up in the business. And I understood that very well when I was an MC or a feature. <sighs> but I, there's always going to be those guys out there that feel like they're getting the short end of the stick and they're not where they should be. So they start to take it out on the other comics on the show or the people in the audience. And it's like, that's not how you move up in this business. You know, you do it through relationships. You do it through um, letting people know that you know what the hell you're doing, you know, because if you go up there and, and, and you're not doing the things a normal MC should be doing and you're being way too vulgar out of the front spot, you know, people are going to think that you're, you don't know what you're doing and they don't want to hire somebody like that. They, they want the least stress possible. 
they don't ever want to hire somebody who's a loose cannon, you know. The days are gone by of the comics that uh, breeze into town and, and drink up all the liquor at the bar and, and trash the condo and, you know, and bang 10 women a night and, and do coke all night and, and destroy the green room and all that shit. Those days are gone. I mean, we're in a different, different time now. I mean, I work with so many more comedians uh, headliners and features alike that, uh, you know, are sober, you know, they're in recovery. They're trying to be healthy. Their family men have marriages and kids and, and none of these clubs or other comics when they go on the road, they don't want loose cannons with them. And I don't think anybody really in life wants a loose cannon when they're trying to do something professional for work. They don't want to have to worry where the hell you are at six in the morning when you have to drive to the next gig, you know? I know I don't. That's why I only hire the guys that I know I can count on to be there and not mess around, you know? But hopefully somebody that's listening to this who's an MC or about to become an MC, you know, hopefully you can take it to heart, you know? This business is fickle, man. And it, and it gets smaller and smaller by the day. So many venues close and, and the loops to get into places get tighter and tighter. It's, it's so hard to break into the business now. It's even harder to rise up. And uh, it's kind of a bottleneck right now, you know. There's so many of these, like, famous people trying to be comedians that the, uh, the well-seasoned... 15-year veterans of stand-up comedy like myself we find ourselves taking other spots you know just to pay the bills like this week i'm in erie pennsylvania featuring for uh, greg morton who's hilarious and i'm blessed to be here i'm making half the money that i would as a headliner but you know greg is so famous that he's selling out the shows and i'm getting to perform in front of 200 people and try to, you know, sell my merchandise and make new fans and stuff like that. And, and you just, there's just no, no space or time nowadays to have an ego in comedy. Like the opportunities that you're given, you have to do as much as you can with them and help try to move your career along, you know, and not try to be a prima donna and sabotage the show and, and mess with the audience and, it's like, come on, man. What are you, 12? Like, be a professional. Dress up for the show. Do your job. And people will take notice. And and you'll move on to the next levels. Um, so I'm going to sign off right now. And then after that, I'll play the audio of uh, the MC that I ran into at uh, one of our road gigs at Stoner and the Fat Man. And, you know, she was a nice enough lady. It was just that so many mistakes. And it was obvious that she was never giving any formal training about being an MC. But, you know, when you listen to this, the problems that I had with her as the MC is, A, she was way too long-winded about the announcements and things going on. It just went on forever. You know, it was almost like she had no sense of time or space. 
Uh, number two, way too vulgar and way too graphic. Like towards the end, she's doing like her material and she was like a 60 year old lady being an MC. And I don't know what this idea of if you're like an older lady doing stand up comedy, you have to be like the filthiest person in the world. Like I, I don't get that, but it's obviously very popular with, you know, grandma Lee and Etta May and the Tennessee tramp and, and, uh, you know, Joan rivers and, so many examples of it of it working well but it's just like i don't get it so she's up there and it's just all this stuff about her titties and her vagina and it's like we don't need to hear that right off the top of the show um and another one of my pet peeves is if you're an mc and you're announcing a comedian you say their name once and you say it at the end because the comedian's name is the punchline of that intro. So if someone hands you an intro and it's, it says all their credits and then it says their name, don't go, our feature act tonight is Mark Poulos. He's been on this, he's been on that. Here he is. Such a big pet peeve of mine. The announcement should be, our feature act has been on Fox, WGN. Here he is. Mark Poulos, boom, applause. It's a simple thing, but it's just a pet peeve of mine. So if you're doing the MC work, you say the name once, say it at the end, it's the punchline of the intro. So she, of course, messes that up. Um, she just gives all this extra info about us that is not necessary, and it was just bad, you know, and I feel bad. I, I, I want to use it more as an informational tool and not as making fun of her for not doing it correctly. But, um, yeah, just listen to it. Soak it in because it is pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, enjoy that part of it. You can always get this podcast at Podbean and iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, check out largedrunkman.com. I just updated all my dates for the fall and winter and uh, if I'm going to be in one of your cities, please come out and see my show. Uh, it would be nice to find out if there are any fans of this podcast. And, uh, yeah, so anyways, coming up next, the uh, mystery MC from uh, Anytown, USA. Hope you enjoy that. And thanks for tuning in with us, guys. And tune in next time when we talk about who knows your host tonight so uh, we have two fantastic comedians uh, on the dribble run and uh, they're just dribbling their way through Montana then they have to go to Miles City tomorrow so uh, before we start just a few basic things that makes the evening much more fun first of all if you have a cell phone, please turn it off. On turn it off or on vibrate. And put it between your legs. And if you can, please keep the table conversation. Conversations back at the bar. 
to a minimum, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, when you came in, you were given a little ticket. Please hang on to that ticket uh, because at the end of the evening, we're going to have a drawing for a couple of door prizes. All right, so rumor has it there's someone in the crowd that's having a birthday. <laughs> Jamie, please stand up. It's Jamie's Dirty 30 Cents. Tamara. 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 <laughs> Tamara. <laughs> celebrated a birthday a couple of weeks ago. I turned 71. Yeah, thanks, I could drop dead any second. I just wanna give you a heads up. And you know, the brain cells start going when you get my age, so. Pretty sure Jamie is going yeah. <laughs> So Tamara, I apologize. I really did that on purpose. You no believe that? <laughs> I don't know what you asked for your birthday, but I asked my husband, who's in the audience, I said, I really want a smartphone for my birthday. I do not have a cell phone. He said, Diane, it took you two years to figure out how to turn on the computer. I said, well, Dad, it took you 20 years to learn how to turn me on. <laughs> oh, my poor husband, he's going through hair relocation. You know, it's all relocated from his head to his ears, nose, back, and butt. Let me tell you, he has a back hair mullet longer than the California coastline. And I used to think dogs didn't make any noise when they farted because of all the hair on their butts. Oh, that's not true. I mean, really. My husband has so much hair on his butt, you can hear him fart a block away. He's really a great guy, though. So uh, anyway, we're going to get this evening started. And our featured comedian I'm bringing to the stage is from New York City. And he's been said to be reminiscent of a young Lenny Bruce. So let's give a big Montana welcome to Joe Cocozello. Keep it going for Joe! having these long-term relationships. Uh, my husband, who I embarrassed earlier, Ted and I, it's our second marriage, and this August will have been married 19 years. Yeah. So people will say, Diane, what's your secret to a happy relationship? And I tell them two words separate 
vacations. Oh. <laughs> Last year, Ted went. <laughs> Last year, Ted went to Miami. I went to Maui. Okay, about three days into the vacation, he calls me and he says, "So, Diane, how's it going? Great, Ted. How's it going with you? Fantastic." I'm having sex with a 30-year-old gorgeous woman. Well, good for you, Ted. I'm having sex with a 30-year-old stud, and I know I'm having a better time than you are. He said, you think so? And I said, hell, I know so, Ted. Do the math. 30 goes into 70 more times, and 70 goes into 30. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's really fun performing with all these youngins up here. Um, if you look around, I've been doing stand-up comedy now for several years. I'm old enough to be most of their mothers or their grandmothers. And the great thing is, their girlfriends and their wives, they don't see me as a threat. <laughs> Boy, do I have them fools. <laughs> they should Google the word cougar. Next to the definition is a picture of Betty White. I am an organ donor. Yeah, 71 and an organ donor. I mean, who would want my shit, right? Probably Betty White. <laughs> But I'll tell you one thing, my boobs would make great saddlebags. We've got some people down here for the horse sale up at the bar. The only problem is they're so saggy. That poor horse would have to be a bazillion hands eye to keep him from dragging on the ground. Oh, and I had a shock tonight when I was getting ready. I got out of the shower and I looked down turned into a leather duffel bag. All I'm missing is a zipper. Nobody told me when you get old, you grow your own accessories. <laughs> okay, are you ready for your headliner? Yeah. All right. It is my pleasure to bring to the stage a gentleman who has been appearing on Bob and Tom radio show, on XM Satellite Radio, and Dr. Domeno. He's opened for Louis Anderson. Uh, he's a musician, a comedian. His name is Mark Poulos. Put your hands together for Mark! Give it go for Diane, everybody, right? Way too much info. Okay. A lot of graphic information. <laughs> All right. And a couple quick thanks to uh, my sponsors, um, Lee'sTees.com and KBRemodelingInc.com. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast.